What is this model? What is this all about? Well, if you'll grab your message notes, here's some things I want to remind you of. We're in this series called The Disciples' Path, How Jesus Discipled His People. And the first thing we see is this. Write it down. Jesus wants to connect you to him. He wants you to be connected to God through faith in his son, Jesus. And then he wants to connect you to other believers. Listen, you can have every relationship in the world, but if you miss a relationship with Jesus, you miss the most important. You don't want to leave this world without a relationship with Christ. The most important relationship you can have is to know Jesus Christ personally for yourself. Are you in a relationship with Christ? Do you know him? Jesus said you can't even come to the Father unless you come through the Son. Uh, Peter said, Jesus, he is the only name whereby we can be saved. And Jesus came, he died, and he rose again. We sang that today. The very first song we sang about was, for God so loved the world. Jesus came to give us eternal life. And Jesus wants you to have a personal relationship with him. Not a religion, but a relationship. And then to live out your faith in Christ, to live out as a follower of Jesus, he wants you to have a relationship with other believers. He wants you to have a relationship with other Christians. You're not supposed to live your faith out alone. So we're to connect to Jesus and then to one another. The second one is this. We talked about last week. He wants you to grow. He doesn't just want you to have a relationship with God. He wants you to grow so you can be like Jesus. He wants you to live like Jesus, talk like Jesus, look like him. Because listen, the word Christian, the name Christian means little Christ. It means we're to be like Christ in the school systems. We're to be like Christ in the supermarket. We're to be like Christ in the factories. We're to be like Christ in our subdivisions and whatever we do. Little Christ. And by the way, let's just ask a question. How many of you have ever met that person who claimed to be a Christian but looked nothing like Jesus? Don't elbow anyone you're sitting beside in the service. Don't get online right now and lift anybody else's names. Don't do that. Don't raise an eyebrow. Don't elbow nobody in the ribs. But let's just be honest. We've all met them. And how many of you would say today, you don't want to be classified in that category? I know I don't. I want people to see Jesus in me. Does that mean we're perfect? No. Does it mean we won't make mistakes? Not at all. A saint's not someone who never falls down. A saint's someone who falls down but knows when they fall down how to get back up. But what we do want is we want to live our lives growing like Jesus. We want to keep progressing to be like Jesus. And that's why we study the Bible. And that's why we need these groups. And that's why we need to come to church. That's why we need to feed on his word and, and be encouraged by one another. Doug mentioned we need each other for accountability. We need each other for strength. We need each other to help walk out our faith together. Then the third element here that we're going to dive into now today is this. We need to go and serve like Jesus. Because it's not just enough about knowing we're saved. And it's not just enough about having community. It's not even enough just to increase our Bible knowledge. But we got to do something with it. We got to go live it out. Because the world needs to see Christians not in the building, but out in the community. We need to be living like Christ. Amen? Amen. So let's talk about this today and why this is so vital and why this is so important. And Jesus has modeled all of this for us. He's shown us how to go out and live the way he lived, to serve the way he served. And if you take the Gospels and you just look at Jesus, you can categorize, and this may be like an oversimplification for some of you, but you can see these, these big areas where Jesus modeled in front of us on how to serve. Because if we're going to go in his name and we're going to do what he did, we need to serve like he served. 
So write this down. What Jesus taught us was is how to serve others with compassion. Jesus taught us how to serve people with compassion. And that word compassion is huge. People need to know that we actually care, that there's a burden on our hearts when we serve. We serve with compassion. Not only do we serve with compassion, but notice this next line, we're to share the gospel. We're not simply to make the world a better place to go to hell from. We need to not only share, serve and meet needs, but share the gospel because Jesus is the way to the Father. And God so loved the world, he gave his son. This is the message we need to share. But then ultimately, we need to also be helping make disciples. We need to be ultimately helping make disciples. And Jesus is going to model this with us uh, and show it to us how he did it with his disciples. Look with me on the screen at Mark chapter, six, uh, Mark chapter 1. In fact, the gospel of Mark is so practical, y'all. Just read the gospel of Mark. You see this over and over and over again. But right here at the beginning of the book of the gospel, here's what we read. When evening came after the sun had set, now Jesus is Capernaum, most likely at Peter's house, they brought to him all those who were sick and demon-possessed. Now this is a crowd to bring to Jesus, right? They're bringing all the sick and all the demon-possessed people to him. And listen, this is a bad day at the town. The whole town was assembled at the door. I mean, come on. This, I love the Bible, right? It means like, Everybody in town needed a touch from God. Everybody needed a touch. The whole town was assembled at the door. And notice verse 34. Look what Jesus did. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases. And he drove out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Look at verse 35. Very early in the morning while it was still dark. Watch this, watch this. Something's about to happen here. Watch this. He got up, shout he got up. And he went out and he made his way to a deserted place. And there he was. What was Jesus doing? Now, now watch this, watch this, watch this. Don't miss this. Get into the scene here. Simon, that's Peter, and his companions searched for him. And when they found him, they said, and you got to read it like you know Peter would have said it, right? Here's how Peter would have said this. Here's, it would have been pretty emphatic because everybody's waiting on Jesus. They're looking for him. The house is full of sick people. Jesus wasn't nowhere to be found. They found him on the backside of a mountain praying. And Peter would have said something like this. Say it with me. Everyone is looking for you. Peter would have brought out his dad voice, Right? everybody's looking for you. And he said to them, watch this, watch this. This is so powerful. I love Jesus. Watch what he says. Let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may, key word, say it, preach there too. Why, 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 why? Read the last line. Ready to go. This is why I have come. Now, now watch this. This is so cool. Everything I've talked about this morning already is right there. What do you have? You have Jesus in a house in Capernaum with all the sick people in town lined up at the front door. Can you imagine looking outside Peter's house and as far as you can see is a line of people. And all day long, Jesus is healing the sick, healing the sick, healing the sick, casting out demon, casting out demon, healing the sick, healing the sick, casting out demon, casting out demon. And listen, I know he's God, but he's also God in the flesh. He's the son of man. He's in human flesh and he was gonna get tired. At some point, they had to end the service and tell everybody, come back tomorrow. And, and Jesus had to go get some sleep. Here's the deal, here's the deal. When all the other disciples woke up the next morning, Jesus wasn't in the house. He'd already gotten up. 
He got up really early. The Bible says before the sun even rose, it was still dark. And where did Jesus go? Jesus went on the backside of a mountain because here's what he knew. Here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew you can give, 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 give. And if you don't feed back in and you just keep give, 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 giving, and you don't feed back in, here's what happens. You burn out, burn out, burn out, burn out. And Jesus is on the backside of the mountain. And what is Jesus doing? He is praying to the Father. And you say, wait a minute, he's, he's God. Yes, he's God in the flesh. But God the Father and God the Son were in communion. And he's praying to the Father. And he's being strengthened for the journey ahead. And then Simon Peter shows up, just like we do in the modern day church, and, and we see all these needs, and we see all the people who have problems, and we live in a world cursed by sin. And, and they come to Jesus and they say, Lord, what are you doing here? In essence, I mean, it's kind of comical. It's almost like Peter was saying, Jesus, you don't have time to pray. Jesus, you don't have time to be alone with God. We've got a house full of people who came back this morning ready for you to lay hands on them and heal them and cast out their demons. You don't have time for this. What are you doing here? And Jesus lets Peter know there's one thing that every human needs more importantly, please, please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. Jesus had compassion on the sick and he was there and he was healing the sick and he was healing the sick and he's casting out demons. But in this moment, Jesus is teaching a lesson. There's something everybody needs more important than the healing of their body. They need the healing of their soul. They need forgiveness and they need the gospel. And Jesus says to Peter, can you imagine this? Because, you know, right now what Jesus is about to do is going to upset a whole lot of people in Capernaum. He's going to make the crowds mad because they're all waiting for Jesus to show up. When Jesus don't come off the mountain and show back up for the healing line, whoo, somebody's going to be mad. Social media is about to go crazy. And Jesus says, it's time for us to go to the next city so I can preach the gospel there too. This is why I came. And I know some of you are like, well, why does a good God allow suffering in the world? We're not going to, you know, I don't have time to dive all into that this morning. But here's what I want to tell you. Jesus was letting the disciples know something. We live in a sin-cursed world, and it's been this way since the garden. And there is sickness, and there's sorrow, and there's death, and has been ever since the fall of man. And one day when Jesus returns, here's what the Bible tells us. He will end all of that curse one day. The devil will be bound and cast down. Sickness will be gone. Eternity will be forever for everyone. It will all be over with. But the first time Jesus came, that's not why he came. And you better thank God that's not why he came the first time. Why? Because we're all sinners. We all are sinners. We're sinners by birth and we're sinners by choice. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we need our sin problem took care of. And listen, listen, listen. If Jesus had only came down here to heal sicknesses and, and men broken hearts and fix all the ills of the world that sin has caused. Watch this. You would have 70, 80, maybe if you're lucky, 90 to 100 years of heaven on earth. But then you would still die because the world's under the curse of sin and death's been here since the garden. You would still die. And here's the big problem. Here's the big problem. Here's the big problem. You would have died in your sin and been separated from God for the rest of eternity. 
for Jesus to say, I have compassion and I want to heal the sick, but this isn't the ultimate reason why I came and I can't fix everything right now, but I'll heal some, but maybe not others. And we don't understand all God's sovereign plan and that, but if we still to pray and we're still to touch needs, but if we would trust that he knows best in the end, that what his ultimate goal is, is to get the gospel to everyone so that people may be saved. The reason Jesus came was so he could eventually go to the cross and die and be buried and rise again to give us eternal life and fix our sin problem so that now you may experience a little hell on earth but if you're saved and born again in the blood of Christ after your 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years of hell on earth, this will be the only hell you will ever have to face if you're saved and born again by the blood of the Lamb. You have an eternity with no sickness, no pain, no sorrow, no death and no devil. Are you all with me? One day he's coming back and all the ills will be over. But the first time he came, he had to come and take care of our sin problem. Now you say, Pastor, why did you take all that time to go all this? Because all in that chapter, here's what you learned. You learned, you watched Jesus teach the disciples that he has compassion and he served those who were sick and hurting. But he didn't just make the world a better place to go to hell from. He also knew that we have to go one step up and give the next piece to this while we're meeting needs, we've got to be sharing the gospel because if they don't hear the gospel, it won't matter in the end. And then he taught how to make disciples because who did Jesus do this in front of? And who did he take with him when he said, it's time to go to the next town so I can preach there also? He took the disciples. What was he doing the whole time? He's training the disciples. He's making disciples. He's teaching them how to be like him. And this is the model that Jesus has given to us and is still relevant for us today. In fact, on your message notes, you'll see four boxes. I, like, I think in boxes. I'm a visual learner. If you're a visual learner, you're going to love the next 10 minutes. If you're an audible learner, you're going to hate the next 10 minutes. Just put your, put your paper down and open your ears. It's going to be all good. Here's, here's what I need you to understand. Come on, online campus. Lean on the end of the screen. The model we're about to see that I'm going to show you in these four boxes is the model we find in scripture and it's the same model still relevant for today. And we should all find ourselves in one of these four boxes in whatever area that God is calling us to serve him in. And if we're not in one of these four boxes, what that says is it's time for you to trust God and step out of the boat and get involved. But here's what we see. Here's what we see in the scripture. That God's ultimate goal is not just for you to increase your knowledge it's not just for you to have community. I actually taught some small group leaders yesterday and I told them that in your small group shouldn't be all about Bible study. You just increase knowledge. Well, the Pharisees had knowledge, but they had no, no look like, you know, they didn't look like God. They didn't look like Jesus. And, and your groups need fellowship, but they can't all be just a hangout because you can just have a hangout and no one's growing to look like Jesus. You've got to have knowledge and community in order to have transformation. And this is the model Jesus shows us. He's gonna, you're going to see that Jesus wants to increase our knowledge, but he wants to do it in a, in, a, in a place of community because the ultimate goal is to transform us to look more like Jesus at the end of the day. And by the way, let me just see how many people in the room you know, on online want to look a lot more like Jesus at the end of the day. So here's, here, here's the model Jesus used with disciples. Number one, he modeled what it looks like to look like him. And this is where Jesus would say, I do, you watch. I'm going to do this and you watch it. Mark chapter one is a great illustration of this that we just said. So 
when Jesus was healing the sick in Peter's house, does it say any of the other disciples prayed over the sick? Were they casting out demons? No, this is very early on in their ministry. They were just watching Jesus do it all. And when they couldn't find him the next morning, Jesus didn't tell them ahead of time, hey guys, in the morning, I'm gonna get up early and go pray. He didn't tell them. He let them wake up saying, where's Jesus? Why isn't he here? What's he up to? Where did he go? He let them go on this journey to find out. They're discovering why he went there. Peter's first question, what are you doing here? And then he's teaching them what is the most important things to focus on. Yes, meet needs, but more importantly, share the gospel. And we need to hear the father. And the father says, it's time to go. And so at the, all of this is going on. Jesus is modeling this in front of the disciples. He's going to model. And some of us are going to find ourselves at times knowing God wants us to step out. Maybe you're to call, he calls you to lead a small group or join a serve team or go share the gospel with someone. And you're completely unprepared. Well, don't sit back on God. Get yourself in an environment where someone who is leading a group or someone who is on a serve team or someone who does share the gospel and then watch them. Watch them model it, observe. In fact, if you join a serve team here, your first weekend on the job, you just watch. You just watch, you just observe because it needs to be modeled. The second box is mentoring. Mentoring here. When we look at mentoring, uh, this is where Jesus says, I'm going to do something. You're going to help me. I do. You help. Look with me on the screen at Mark chapter six, verse 34. There's a time they were in a boat. They crossed the sea of Galilee. They came to ashore. They saw a large crowd. Look at what Jesus had on the people. There's a big crowd there. He had what? What's that word? Compassion. Don't miss that. He had compassion on them. And when it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted. It's already late. Send them away so they can go into the countryside and villages and buy something to eat. I love this. Look at the disciples, man. They've watched Jesus fix every problem. Now they come to Jesus and say, there's all these hungry people. Listen to you preach. And they haven't ate. And another pastor tells us for three days, you need to send them home. Let them go get something to eat. I love Jesus. Look at the next line. Read it out loud with me. Ready to go. You give them something to eat. How many believe at least one disciple right there said, what? <laughs> you want us to do that? And look at this. One of them actually says this. Should we buy our asses? Should we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Now, here's what you need to know. A denarii was a day's wage. He's saying we could work 200 working days and still wouldn't have enough money to feed this crowd. Must have been a pretty big crowd, right? You want us to do that? And so look at what Jesus does. He says, well, I'm going to do it, but you're going to help me. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. They found five and two fish. He instructed them to have people sit down in groups and on green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven. Jesus blessed it. Then he gave it to the disciples. He said, go set this before the people. He divided the fish among them all. Read verse 42 and 43 together. Ready, go. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up how many? 12 baskets. How many disciples? Full of pieces of bread and fish. And now those who had eaten of the loaves were how many? 5,000. Sorry, ladies. First century here. Men. 
They didn't count the ladies. But most scholars would agree there's probably 15 to 25,000 people on the hillside that day once you counted the women and the children. Think about the mass crowd that Jesus looks at and he has compassion on them and he says to the disciples, I need you guys to go feed them. And they're like, what are you talking about? We gave up everything. We even left our jobs to follow you. Jesus says, I'll do it, but you're going to help me. Go get the baskets. Go find out how many fish and loaves we got. Now go make everybody sit down and watch what Jesus is doing. He's going to do it, but he's asking them to help. Now you guys go set them out. I'll pray over the food. I'll bless it. I'll put it in the baskets. I'll give you the baskets. You go give it to them. And notice what Jesus does to the ones who helped him. By the time it was all said and done, he took, he took five loaves and two fish, fed thousands of people, and every disciple had a basket of food left over just for them when it was all over. How many know you can't outgive God when you get involved and start serving? Here's the third one. It's training. So let's, let's think about this. Sometimes if you're wanting to get involved, you just got to get in an environment where you can watch. But then eventually you need to start helping a little bit. You don't have to lead the group. You don't have to lead that serve team. You don't have to start that ministry. But you can start by helping somebody do it. And then you want to get into training. And in training, this is where Jesus would say, you do, I help. And he did this with the disciples. There were times where Jesus just sent them out and said, now you go do this and I'm going to help you. We find this in Mark chapter six as well. In Mark chapter six, verse seven, here's what Jesus does. He summons the 12 and he, get, he sent them out in, what's that key word there? In pairs. He didn't send them out alone. Christians, we're not to live out and serve the Lord alone. We're to do it in community. He sent them in pairs and he gave them, what's the next word? Authority. How many of you realize you have authority in the name of Jesus? That when you go and serve others, when you share the gospel, when you meet needs and you do it in Jesus' name, you do it under his authority. And he gave them authority over unclean spirits. And then he instructed them, watch this, this is cool. He says, take nothing for the road except a staff, no bread, no traveling bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but don't even take an extra shirt. Now, before you, before you think, oh, we got to make the preacher more poor, he didn't care that they had more than one shirt. Preachers need more than one shirt. Amen. Come on. That's not what he's talking about here. He is teaching though, all the time. Jesus was always teaching and he's teaching them how to trust him and where their focus needed to be, that that's not why they did what they did, right? Look at the next verse. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave there, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Why would he do that? Because you're not responsible on how people receive the gospel, you're only re responsible for sharing the gospel. Everybody's responsible for how they receive it themselves. And look at verse 12. And so they went out, and what was the word there he used? They preached. So what did they preach? That people should repent. He's trying to bring people to Christ. So look back up here for a moment before we read on. Look up here. So he's telling them what's most important. Now, you may ask the question, did they heal the sick when they went out? Did they pray over people? They did. Another gospel tells us that when they came back to Jesus, they reported, and they were, they were actually Baptocostal. I mean, they were just beside themselves. They were like, even the demons were subject to us when we preached your name, Jesus. They were so excited. But notice what they went to do. They went to preach the gospel. All the other things were extras. Those were great blessings. It was compassion lived out. But the gospel took precedence. 
Now let's look at the next verse down at verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and they reported him all they'd done and taught. And I love Jesus. This is so cool. This is Jesus style right here. Jesus said to him, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest a while. What's missing there? Your disciples, you just sent them out in twos and they went out and preached the gospel and prayed over people and ministered to the community and they come back and they're beside themselves. They're so excited and they tell Jesus, Jesus, look what we did. What would you expect? You'd expect an attaboy, a good job, a way to go, right? Pat on the back, hand clap. But watch this. I, I, want, I want to tell you why Jesus acts away. This is what I believe. believe. A good trainer is always willing to show you where you're weak. A good trainer points out your weak spots. You, you don't always need a coach who's just there bragging. You need a coach who will fix your weak spots. Right? Why did Jesus say, okay, let's come over here and rest a while, boys. Because how many believe while they were walking to the mountain, at least one of the disciples said to another disciple, I don't want to go take a nap. Why we got to go sit down? I want to go back out there and preach some more. Why we got to go over here? Any parents? The kids? What was Jesus doing? Jesus, Jesus knew what they needed more than what they knew that they needed. Because here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew these boys are so fired up right now that if I don't go make them rest, they're going to burn themselves out. Come on, boys, y'all got to rest a minute. And I, they're all just like, just send us back. Say, so a good trainer knows how to find your weak spots. Now, what does all this got to do with us? Well, if we're going to serve the Lord, we need to watch people who know how to do what God's calling us to do. We need to learn. And then we need to help. And eventually, we got to come to a place where we actually get involved and start doing the ministry. Lead a small group for ourselves. Start a serve team or lead a team or go on a mission trip, or share the gospel with someone, and then have someone with us who can speak to us after the fact and help us continue to progress. And say, man, you did really good there. I would have tweaked this. And that's what Jesus is doing with the disciples here. Number four, this is the ultimate goal for us, is to get to a place where we can cheer. Uh, and this, this is where... Jesus said to his disciples, I, uh, you do, I cheer. And, the, and in this moment, this is where Jesus is going to say, God, you're ready and I've got your back. Because you've got to think about this. How did Jesus know when the disciples were ready? I don't know about you, but I hear, all, uh, I hear folks all the time when they feel like God's got a work for them to do. And they're just like, I don't know if I'm ready. How did Jesus know they were ready? He'd been modeling it. He'd been mentoring, he'd been training, and then he trusted them enough to send them on. And Jesus said, now you go do this and I'm going to cheer you on. And the passage here is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, 20. It's actually where we're living in right now. This is still relevant for us. These are the last words of Jesus before he ascended to heaven. And it's not changed. And no church has the right to change the Great Commission. Jesus will change it when he comes back and says it's done. And until then, this is who we are and what we're to be about. I want us to read it out loud together. Online campus, I want you to read it too. Read it out loud. Come on. Matthew 28, 19, 20. You ready? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you. How often? Always. How long? Even to the end of the age. And what this passage is, is Jesus saying, hey guys, when you're ready, when, you, when you've been modeling, you've been watching, you've been learning, you've been doing, hey, it's time for you to get involved. It's time for you to serve. And when you feel like, man, I, I want to, I, I've been trying to get ready for it, but I don't know, am I ready? Here's the one I want you to hear. Jesus will have your back. Jesus will have your back. For some of you, it's coming to faith. For some of you, it's, it's turning your life over to God. And you're like, I don't know. Will I, will I be able to live it? Will I be able to follow Jesus? Will I, will I not make so many mistakes? Will I have victory over this temptation? Whatever it is. Step out of the boat and give Jesus a chance. And I promise you, he's got your back. Whatever God's calling you to, he's got your back. And he will always. Because he wants a relationship with you. And he wants you involved in his kingdom work. And you know, if you, if you need another verse just to say, really? Let me show you this one. Luke 15, 10. When you and I are about the Father's business and people are influenced for the gospel, look at what Jesus said. Read it with me. I tell you in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. You want to know what happens here is when you and I give our hearts to Christ and we are used by God in his kingdom work, every person we influence for the gospel, heaven throws a party. Heaven throws a celebration. That's a God saying, I got your back. Keep in the game. Go after hearts. See souls saved and lives changed. How many of you have heard of the Apostle Paul, by the way? He wrote most of the New Testament. You've probably heard of him, right? Paul said these words, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. Now, here's the deal. Was Jesus discipled or did, was Paul discipled by Jesus? The answer is no. But he said, imitate me like I imitate Christ. How did he know how to live like Christ? Watch this. Paul was discipled by a guy named Barnabas. God named Barnabas was discipled by a guy named Peter. Peter was discipled by Jesus. Paul is a fourth generation follower of Jesus. But he didn't say, follow me as I follow Barnabas. Or follow me as I follow Peter. Because each person knew what they were doing is helping the other one become more like Jesus. And isn't that what we're called to do today? Let's help each other look more like Jesus, amen? But here's your big takeaway, and this is the last thing I gotta tell you, but I gotta tell you this. For you to experience this incredible journey that God wants you to have, to connect with him and one another, to grow in your faith and to go in his name, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You're never gonna experience this unless you, you take, let the journey start with your first step. You gotta take a first step. You gotta take your first step. Matthew chapter 12 tells us about the disciples in a boat in the middle of a sea and there's a storm on the sea and Jesus is still up on the mountain praying and they're out here in the middle of this, this terrible storm one night and they're starting to be afraid and, and they don't know what to do. Jesus is not there and they're in a boat in a storm and all of a sudden in the middle of the night, Jesus, who's got his eye on them the whole time, he's watching them from the mountain. 
He says, now it's time. And Jesus comes down off the mountain. And watch this. It's only like God can do this, right? But here's these guys, and they are, they are in the boat in the middle of a storm, and Jesus comes walking on the water. Now, when we read that today, we're like, oh, that's cool. That's awesome. You let yourself be one of the disciples in the boat in the middle of the storm at midnight. That wasn't cool. You see some dude walking on water at midnight in the middle of a hurricane? Yeah, you calling on God, but probably for the wrong reason. What would you think was coming? The Bible tells us the disciples thought it was a ghost. And I love the Bible. I love the Bible. It's just so cool. The Bible says the men cried out. You know what that means in, in real language? It means they squalled like kids. That's exactly what them, them grown men were crying out. Sound like a bunch of little kids during Halloween. They're squalling out. They, they see a ghost. And then Peter says, or looks up, and Jesus, Jesus how many know Jesus only lets you be terrified so long? How many thank God for that? And Jesus said, hey, guys, it's I. Don't be afraid. And about that time, Peter cries out, Lord, if it's really you, bid me to come out on that water. <laughs> I don't know if he's ready for Jesus' answer. Jesus said, come on. I mean, know, at that moment, Peter had to decide, do I really trust Jesus or not? You with me? It's easy to say I trust Jesus while you're in the boat. But when Jesus says you got permission to step out, and when you step out, it's not, it's not on safe ground. You, you got to step out in a storm sometimes. Sometimes you got to step out and nothing is right. Everybody says, I, when everything gets in the right place, I'll do what God wants me to do. God doesn't call you when everything is going right. A lot of times he'll call you when it requires you to take a step of faith that if God doesn't show up, I'll fail. And he called him to get out of the boat. And when he put that foot out over, I believe when he touched the water, it was like standing on concrete. And then he put the other foot out there and the Bible says, Peter started walking on the water. And somewhere along the journey, I know what some of you skeptics are out there thinking. Didn't he sink? Yeah, he got his eyes off Jesus. He saw the wind, the waves. But you know what I love about the passage? It didn't say he drowned. It doesn't even say that he just fell underwater. It said he began to sink as if it was gradual. And about the time he was to go under, Jesus was standing right in front of him. And all Peter had to do was stretch up his hands and Jesus took him by the hand. And watch this. The Bible says Jesus pulled him back up. Pulled him back up? Where did he pull him back up to? On top of the water. And then they got in the boat. How did they get back to the boat? They had to walk on water. Now he's walking on water with Jesus. Here's what I want to tell you. You're never going to know what God can do for you and how much he's got your back if you don't step out of the boat. You with me? What's your next step? For some of you, it's joining a group. Some of you, it's leading a group. Some of you, it's joining a serve team. Some of you, it's going out and doing ministry, something that God's only put on your heart. For some of you, it's to give your heart to Christ today and be saved. For some of you, it's to be baptized. Quit being ashamed. 
go all in. I don't know where your step is. In this room and online, I don't know where your step is. But you and God do. And I just want to challenge you to step out of the boat. You'll find out God's got your back.